What's up, Hyperfast Agent Nation? This show coming up is, man, this, this was one of my favorite people. Just such a story of inspiration, overcoming challenge. And now he is putting himself in the position to just live an amazing life. Welcome to the show, Casanova Brooks. All right, welcome to the show today, Casanova. How are you doing? I'm good, my man. How are you? Good, good. Where Where are you uh, calling in today from in that, that amazing-looking uh, studio, I might add? Yeah, appreciate it. I'm here in Omaha, Nebraska. So, I mean, right now, wherever you're, you're listening at this, I don't know when you'll be listening, but uh, I want to say the high today is like 28 degrees. So, for you being down in Florida, you probably couldn't imagine. But, yeah, I'm in cold Omaha, Nebraska as we speak right now. Amazing. How, how did you end up in uh, Omaha? Have you always been there or moved there? Or what's what's your story? Yeah, so I'm originally from uh, Chicago, South Side. I'm an inner city kid, uh, raised by a single mom. My dad was never in my life. I was the only child on my mom's side. Last I knew, though, I had 13 brothers and sisters on my dad's side. Uh, but he never did anything to, like bridge the gap or the relationship. So really, I grew up as an only child. And uh, so a little bit about me and my story. I've always been a big dreamer, um, a big guy who had a lot of ambition. Um, and so I guess for me, at the core of everything, I would just say I'm a kid who loves to think big. And so when I was eight years old, I guess the other part of this is to say that I'm no stranger to adversity. So when a lot of people may hear my story for the first time, it's it's wowing the people because I probably have a story that um, many people can resonate with on some level or, or another. When I was eight, my two best friends in Chicago, we did everything together. We were the three musketeers and uh, they came over one morning and they're like, hey, we're about to go to the beach. And I'm like, uh, you know what, for whatever reason, I'm going to sit this one out, right? There's no rhyme or reason. I just decided to, we'll come to find out, shorten up this part of it. A couple hours later, they both wound up drowning off of the pier uh, in Chicago. So that was kind of my first time that it was like, man, like, okay, how am I going to navigate this? And so then I just found myself where every, all the eyeballs were on me because I was like the only one standing that was left, obviously. And also like, why was I still here? So as I'm 10, 11 years old, as time fast forwards, um, now I'm really just being inundated in my environment with drugs, gangs, violence, like that's everything that I see. And so my grandma saw that too. And she was like, Hey, you know what? I got to get him up out of here. Um, and so she makes the decision to take me to Sioux city, Iowa, where some of my cousins had migrated and, uh, we go check it out. Next thing I know, less than two weeks later, all of my stuff's being packed into a U-Haul and, uh, we're going to Sioux city, Iowa to live for the rest of my life. So Huge culture change, right? I mean, 80,000 people. I'm going from big city Chicago to now 80,000 people, cornfields. Uh, in the beginning, I only saw people who looked like me. In the end, I saw nobody who looked like me for the most part. So I had to really like build relationships. I had to form, you know, diversity in my mind. And I say that the uh, silver lining in, every, in all of that was that I didn't grow up with an ignorant mindset that said, just because you don't look like me does not mean you can't be with me and that you have to be against me. 
And so I was very fortunate that my grandma did that for me. Um, fast forward, now I'm pretty popular. I got friends, I'm living in Sioux City, um, just figuring it all out. And then as I'm 15 years old and I'm just starting up my sophomore year of high school, I'm playing basketball, football, track, dance squad, uh, a lot of things going on. And then all of a sudden I just find myself having a hard time breathing. Um, and so I'm telling my buddies and they're like, ah, probably because football just got done. You left football early. Basketball is just starting up. So it's probably just because you're out of shape. You're not in condition. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I was coming home and I was taking a lot of naps. And my mom's like, hey, what's up? This is unlike you. And I'm like, I don't really know. I'm just really tired. And uh, so she's like, okay, well, it kept persistent over the next couple of days. So we go to the emergency room and they're like, hey, well, you know what? Since it has anything to do with breathing in his chest, we're going to keep him overnight. Now, keep in mind, me as a child, I never had broken bones, chicken pox, measles, coronavirus. Like I was always good. So I didn't really think anything of it. I'm like, okay, it's fine. And all I knew from what I saw on TV was like, I was going to get hot nurses, sponge bath, ice cream and video games. I'm only 15. So I'm like, it'll be good. Well, they come back in later on and they're like, hey, you know, we got public transportation. We're going to send him to the University of Iowa, which is on the other side of the state, because we think it might be a little bit more serious. And I just remember my grandma saying, like, what's more serious? And um, they're like, well, we think he might have cancer. And then I just remember, like, my parents just freaking out. My mom and grandma were like, whoa. So they shipped me over there. Uh, come to find out I was diagnosed with stage four lymphoma cancer. I had a port in my chest connected in my jugular vein. Um, for the next two years, I experienced chemotherapy, bone marrows, just about everything that anybody else does when it comes to the C word. And it was like, okay, well, how am I going to navigate this? So I did it, you know, with the strength of my mom, grandma. Um, and then, so I graduate 17, I, I'm then going off and I tried my hand at a lot of different things. We could talk about that a little bit later if you like, but anyway, so then fast forward, uh, six and a half years ago, I just moved down here to Omaha, Nebraska. So you asked that question of how I got down here. Um, I didn't know Omaha is about an hour and a half South of Sioux city. So originally we had no aspirations. And I say we, as in my wife and I, we had no aspirations to move here. We were gonna move down to Kansas City, Missouri. Why? Because it was bigger, it was a little bit warmer. You had the Chiefs, the Royals, so it was more urban and things that I could do with my son. And so I was like, all right, cool. I got a job opportunity here in Omaha as the digital marketing consultant. And we, we basically we came up with like, OK, well, we don't know anybody really in Kansas City and we don't know anybody in Omaha. But since Omaha is the midway point between the two, at least let's make sure that this works. And if this doesn't work and we still want more opportunity, we can move a little bit further south, which would be Kansas City. So it's like, all right, cool. So then um, I'm crushing it at this job. And what I come to find out, though, is in the corporate world, everybody could tell, you no, but nobody could tell you yes. Right. So I'm crushing it doing this stuff. And, and I'm like, hey, I, you know, I want to try my hand at management. Now, keep in mind, I'm less than one year there, but I'm doing things that managers, AVPs, like nobody's ever done. And I'm getting all these awards, but I'm not getting the big bonus checks that I see being given out. And I'm like, I want to try my hand at management. And they're like, ah, oh, Casanova, you know, you just that keep doing what you're doing. But those positions aren't available right now. And you haven't been here long enough. So I'm like, ah. Okay, I see where this is going. So this is how real estate kind of plays into it because I wound up going home and I was just watching YouTube some nights and I wound up coming across a video and a guy says, hey, you got to find a way to be the Lord of your land. Why is because he or she who owns the land makes the rules. And I was like, oh man, like that that's real good. But like, keep in mind, my mom, my grandma, my family, nobody in my family ever owned land, house, car, business, nothing. Like, how am I gonna be the Lord of my land? So I looked deeper into his story and he started out as a realtor. 
And then he went to investor and then developer and then having funds and all these other stuff. So I was like, okay, well, I don't know anything about owning land or real estate, but here's what I do know. I can serve other people. I can build relationships with the best of them. And then how about this? I just serve other people, help them buy, sell, and invest. And in return, when I get my commissions, then I'll buy my own real estate. And that's how I'll become the Lord of my land. And so I was like, all right, well, that's what I'll do. So we, I get my real estate license within the next three months. And then I, I get, instead of that inside sales job, I go to outside sales so I could build my real estate career because I couldn't do it in a cubicle eight to five. So I'm like, all right, cool. Well, then my wife and I, at that same time, we wound up putting our first house that we're going to live in under contract. Before then, we never had a house. We were just apartments and stuff. So we do Where that. Was, uh, was the house yeah. in uh, Omaha? The house in Omaha. Yep. Okay. So we're putting our first house under contract. So we're like, all right, this is great. We're doing that same time. My mom and grandma call me up and they say, hey, we want to move down to Omaha to be closer to you, Julie and CJ, my wife and son, because there's nothing left here in Sioux City for us now that you guys are gone. And I was like, all right, cool. So within a couple of weeks, we moved them down here. Well, within 24 hours of my mom moving down here, she goes to the hospital here in Omaha. Within one week's time, I lose my mom at that hospital. So I'm like, what am I going to do now? My grandma's still here. Now, when I got the call to my mom was gone, I was up in Rochester, New York for this new training for this outside sales job. So I had to take the first flight back. I handled all their funeral arrangements. And then my um, my manager's like, hey, Casanova, now that you've done all that, I need you to go back out to Rochester and finish out this training. And I'm like, with all due respect, I can't. Like my grandma, my wife, my son, they all need me here. I can't leave them again right now. And my manager was like, I get it, but this is corporate. Like, if you don't, you don't even have a territory. This is outside sales. Like, I can't, I got to let you go. And I'm like, think, think, think. Okay, listen, I just got this real estate license. I just put this house under contract. If you would just give me a three-week notice so I can close on this house, I'll be out of your hair. You'll never have to hear from me again. And she was like, man, and she was real cool. And I'm super grateful. She was like, I got you. So she allowed me to put in a three-week notice, even though, like, they were paying me for nothing because I didn't have a territory. So we did that. And then so two days uh, prior to us closing, we're supposed to close on a Friday. This prior Wednesday, underwriters come back and they say, hey, we want more information on his student loans. And I'm like, oh, my God. So by the time they get the information, it's the following Monday. And what happens? The underwriters then go to re-verify employment. Mm. And they say, ah, as of last Friday, Casanova no longer works here. Loan officer calls me up. And bitching me out. And I'm like, man, well, I just met you a couple of weeks ago. I can't tell you the day that you give me a loan, I'm no longer going to have a, a, a job. Right. And so it, it was what it was. It was what it was. And so within two and a half weeks, I lose my mom, my job and my home. I got no family, no friends I'm in a brand new city, brand new state, still no church group. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do now? So I was going to go back and get another W-2 job and just rebuild. And my wife's like, nah, you got this real estate license. You're either going to jump all in, you're going to make something shake, or you always going to be wondering what if. And you know how that goes. I'm like, man, okay. So with their support, I jump all in. Fast forward within the next nine months, I did 46 deals, $8 million in volume. I got the rookie of the year here in Nebraska. And ever since then, I've made six figures. We own multiple businesses. And, and uh, yeah, I've had a hell of a journey. And uh, so I guess that's how we get here today. Well, the, the struggle, you know, definitely makes you stronger. And, and you've had uh, quite quite your, uh, your, your share of it. But, uh, man, what an amazing story of, of perseverance and um, – you know, did you, did you always have a strong mindset or, or is it just something that kind of just kept, you know, you kept doing and developing over time or cause, cause you gotta, you gotta be tough to, 
go through as much as you have and, and come out in the position that you're in now? Yeah, so I would say, and, and that question comes up to me a lot, right? And, and I teach people how to develop a, a, a bulletproof mindset. But I think for me, the biggest thing was in the beginning, understanding that I was worthy of whatever my dreams and my goals were, right? And I think that's where a lot of us go wrong is because really the biggest person that we need to convince in our life that we can get whatever we want, it's not the outside person that's going to give us a promotion or whatever, it's ourselves. We need to tell ourselves that we are worthy. And so for me, at times when I didn't feel like I was worthy, right? I feel like I always had either my mom who was the higher or I had my son who was the lower that I knew was always gonna look out and, and really just be watching what I was doing. And so something else that for me, I've always had when you talk about like, how have I developed this mindset? I've always had these little mantras that I live by, right? And, and a lot of these things have kind of pulled me through every single day. And so one of which of what I would always tell myself, and this was going back to when I had cancer is joy wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for pain. Right. And so for me, I was just always like whenever things would go wrong, I'd be like, oh, but something somebody said to me one time, which resonated with me was like things have to go wrong so life can go. Right. Because you'll never know at the end if this was the right decision or not until you make it. But the, you never, ever lose or you never, ever fail. You just learn lessons throughout life. And those lessons is what create the stories that then you can give back to the next person in hopes that they do something that you don't do, which is make a mistake that you made, right? And so for me, I think that was where it always came from is just learning little mantras. And another thing, when I talk about my son, like for anybody who watches me, watches my Instagram or any of that, I'm very much a family man as I am an entrepreneur entrepreneur. And so one of the things that really was was big for me, this is probably about 10 months ago. And I'd seen something that was swirling around the internet. And it said, if I didn't come from a wealthy family, a wealthy family must come from me. Mm. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And I mean, granted, I like money and wealth is just as much as the next. But what really resonated with me was the way that I could really turn it into something that would hit my heart. And I said, if I didn't come from a loving father, then a loving father must come from me right and so i think all the time like my both of my miracle babies and when i say miracle babies the doctors at the university of iowa this was obviously nine years ago but the doctors at the university i was told if and i that we had less than one percent chance of conceiving and to now have two kids both of them came naturally um and neither one of them had to go to the nicu or any of those other things like we've just been very very blessed and so yeah that's what i would say i always just had these little mantras in my head to just tell me that again joy was so good if it wasn't for pain and and that no matter what, I can always overcome any adversity. What um, what was that period like from, you know, when your your loan got denied and and you were like, you know, screw it, I'm all in, you know, after after listening to your wife, um, like how, how fast did it take you to to get that first sale and to to really get to the point where you're like, all right, this this is gonna work out. <laughs> Yeah. So I would say for, for me, for after I lost everything, which I would say this was in when everything died down, this was probably the middle of September of that year. Right. So this was 2014. This was like the middle of September. And then I'm going to go back and, and get this job. So I really like I get my real estate license at like the end of June, if I remember correctly. It was like the end of June, beginning of July. So I'm thinking that I'm going to double dutch it. Right. So once I make enough money in this outside sales job or in real estate, I would leave the outside sales job. 
So my thoughts was I would go up to like, I walk up and be like, what's up, Dan? Hey, do you know anybody that's looking for payroll? Right. Because that was the company I was working for. It was a Fortune 500, but it was a payroll company. And you'd be like, no, like I'm good on payroll. Then I whip out my other card and be like, well, you know anybody that's looking to buy or sell or invest in the real estate? Like I can help you with whatever. And then basically when that all transpires and I lose everything, the next two months, I think I just, I, I'm kind of trying to figure it out. Cause I had no mentor. I had no nothing in my office. Like basically my broker gave me a cubicle. He gave me a stack of papers with scripts on it from like Mike Ferry. And from there, I just had to figure it all out. And so I'm like, man, so for me, I started out doing networking events and stuff like that. And then I really started doing open houses because that was the big thing. I was never the cold caller. I was, I didn't want to go after expired or canceled or, or for sale by owners. And so I was like, I just got to meet people because when people meet me, they'll see my energy, they'll see my genuineness and they'll see my excitement that like, I want to help. And so that was what I did. So the first thing of what I did was I uh, reached out to one of the top agents that was in my office who I know that represented a building. And so this builder, now the average home price in Omaha, at that time, it was like 185000 right? So the person that she was representing this builder for, he had houses of like 450000 So it was really more like luxury market for here in Omaha. And so I was like, man, so I wasn't getting a lot of traffic. On top of that, keep in mind... Um, this, you know, make no mistake about it. It's Omaha. When most people think of Omaha, uh, when you think of Omaha, what do you think of? I think of Omaha Steaks and I, and I think, and I think of the college world series. Got it. And baseball fans <laughs> definitely would, but otherwise there's one person that most people think of when they think of Omaha. And uh, Warren Buffett, I guess. Exactly, and, uh, right? and Stratcom. Strat, isn't Stratcom near there? So yeah, like, I, I use, I've got, right I'm a military well. guy, but, um, yeah. Got it. Yeah. So, so all of those are right. So, you know, a little bit more than the average person. I do a lot of these and I have a lot of conversations with people all over the world. And most of the time, the common answer that comes up is that isn't that the Oracle? Isn't that what Warren Buffett's from? Right. And it is. Right. And uh, but it's a rich white Catholic state. Right. So and, and the reason why I say that is because when you're in West Omaha, which is where I am, and you're seeing people that come through these open houses, they don't look like you. They're older. They, they, it's, it's not the most friendly environment where people are like jumping up and down to try to have you work with them. Right. And so with that, when you ask the question of what was that time like, it was very fearful. Right. And the reason being is because not only did I just lose my biggest cheerleader, but at the same time, I was now being supported not only emotionally by my wife, but I was also being supported financially by her because it was 100% commission. I remember times, we still laugh about this, but I remember times where I was like thinking about going to apply to be a bartender and like all these things. And I was like talking because I just didn't know how I was going to make any income. And so um, what I did was I started doing open houses. And in the beginning, I was sitting in those new construction model homes for like 450 and I was sitting in there from like 12 to four. But then I wouldn't really get any traffic. And then so I think that I was uh, and now he's become a good buddy of mine. But um, Josh Smith, a GSD mode, if you know who yep. that is, is that it? Yep. So yeah, he's I, he's been on uh, on this show before. So we've and I've been on his as well. So but, yeah, definitely check out check out his podcast if, if you haven't. Yeah, no, he's a phenomenal guy. And uh, yeah, so anyway, I, I think I remember catching one of his videos and he was talking about open houses and extravagant open houses. I think he even still does them now. But anyway, he 
had said something in there and it gave me the spark of instead of sitting in one open house for four hours, I then got, I smartened up and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do two open houses in those same four hours. So the way that I did it was I was doing 12 o'clock to 1.30 and I would do like 150,000 up to like 225. And like I knew things that was going to fly off the shelf. But for me, I just wanted to get the leads that were coming in because then I could, you know, I could uh, follow up with them right away. And then so 12 to 1.30, then right after that, I'll pick up my signs and everything from 2 to 3.30, I would go to the other side of town or wherever and then do something in like that 250 to 450 range. So I was getting both sides of them. And then so basically it took after I, I smartened up on this, it probably took about three weeks before and it was in a new construction, one of the $400,000 houses where somebody came in, young couple, and long story short, they wound up buying with me. And so all in all, and we closed on that at like December the 27th or something, it was right before the new year. So you can imagine like I needed something and that was a $10,000 commission check. And so that was like, it, it felt like it was like, oh my God, the the, the the real estate gods opened it up for me. And that was- I mean, the it must, uh, must have felt like a million dollars to you, oh, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Really, it was like, man, and I could build off of this. And so going into 2015, I, I definitely built off of it. I used it as momentum. Luckily enough that I was young enough that I was using social media as well. So I was able to showcase my excitement and everything I was learning through that. And uh, yeah, it just continued to be a snowball effect for me. So open houses, social media kind of kickstarted you. Now we're uh, 2021, so over five years later, what does your business look like today? Yeah, so I still do eight to 10 million each year. I've been fortunate enough, and I don't know, we don't have to go too deep into it, but I've been fortunate enough to, to partner up with eXp Realty. Um, and so the only reason why I say that is because I, I let her, I think that it's it's been an amazing opportunity. So now what my businesses look like is I focused a lot more on finding other like-minded agents that I can partner up with and not so much on the recruiting side, but more so being able to just show people that there's a better opportunity out there for real estate agents. And so that's been something that's been very, very fun for me um, on the real estate side. But then also I have a digital marketing company. My wife and I, we own a daycare center, uh, which we opened up 15 months ago and the pandemic took us back. But in zero to 15 months, we took it from zero kids to 70 kids. And then we dropped back down to 28 kids because of the pandemic. And now we're back up to 60. And so, and now we're also building out a second location. Um, so that's been a lot of fun as well. And then I speak. So I do a lot of things, but in the real estate scope, uh, that's what I really focus on. And um, yeah. So are you, are you trying to recruit existing agents or get people that don't know about real estate? You know, maybe they're W2s or have a different career like you did and, and like, are you focused on bringing them into the fold or how do you, how are you growing that part of your business? Yeah. So there's a couple of different things um, for real estate agents. For me, I try to focus on existing, but at the same time, I mean, I talk, it, it's really about the mindset for me because I'm not going to turn down anybody if they show they have the hunger. Right. And I know obviously what it's like to, to be homeless, to lose everything. But if you show that you have the hunger and you really have the, the willingness to succeed, I think that anybody can be successful in real estate because we are true blood entrepreneurs. We handle our own marketing. We handle our own customer service, all those things. 
And what I learned early on was it was more about the systems than it was the people, right? Real estate is a contact sport. Um, and I've always said that. And, but at the end of the day, I think where so many real estate agents fail is because they don't understand the business of real estate. They, they've never heard anything about MSAs or they've never heard anything about uh, if they weren't, the, if they didn't have an assistant, that they were the assistant. And these were the things that I didn't know about in the beginning either. But as I kept masterminding with some of the biggest names around the world, I was asking them the same questions. And they're just talking about like, hey, you got to understand at the end of the day, real estate is a leverage business. And so many of the people, they get so caught up. Like if you've ever read the book uh, E-Meth um, by Michael Gerber. Yep, that's uh, a good one. Yeah, really good one. I had the pleasure of, you know, just having Michael Gerber on my podcast last week. And so it was phenomenal. But um, so many people get so caught up in being a technician and it's not their fault. It's just that they don't know any other way. They don't know how to build wealth through real estate. They only think that they have to stay on the hamster wheel. And so there's nothing wrong with buying and selling houses. But at the end of the day, have you ever created a plan that if you wanted to 10 years from now, you could walk away? The average real estate agent, I would even go to, to say 80% of them, they don't because they never built out systems. So I think that I really focus on people who want that, who want that mindset, who wants to be around a like, you know, community. And that's how I've been able to build my business. And those are the people who I try to focus on. And what are you doing on, you know, so you've got your real estate sales business, agent mm -hmm. business, uh, digital marketing childcare. What about uh, on investing? I know, I know you said before the show, you're doing a lot of real estate investing now. What do you, what are you doing right now with that? Yeah. Yeah. So we own a portfolio, my wife and I do, and we've just gotten into the commercial space. So the great thing about this second location is we will own the building, right? And the first one, we didn't, we don't own the building. So that's the second one. So uh, before we were flipping houses. And so when I say we, I mean, my wife would kind of find them because I set it up as a drip campaign uh, for the MLS and it would just go to both of our emails. And then she would text me and be like, Hey, go look at this. But again, it's all about systems. And I never built out the system as far as flipping houses. So we we're flipping four to five houses a year um, for three years. And that was great. But then obviously I'm only still one guy. And so if you don't have a system and you don't have the right people, like I can, I guess, what am I trying to say? At the end of the day, I stopped flipping houses because it was another job. Right. And so there's nothing wrong with it. But the only way that I would get back into that is if I could build out a system that did not allow me, because for me, like where we live compared to the houses of where we were flipping, right? And this was pre-pandemic before all this stuff came out to make so you could do it virtually, but you still have to learn that game. But I would have to drive 35 minutes to check on the contractor, right? And I have to see the work and all those other things. So it took a lot of time up. And so I was like, man, I, I don't want to do that. So for us right now, I don't really focus. I mean, if, I, if a deal comes across to me, then yeah, I'll do it. But over the last, I guess you still have to put yourself out there, right? I mean, people, if you, people won't give you deals if you don't put yourself out there to be an investor. So for us, we have a portfolio. We have four properties that we own right now. I've even thought about getting into the Airbnb space. Um, but again, it's, it's going to be more on the system side if I do anything, something that doesn't require any more of my time. Yeah, we. I mean, we we do both of those things that you just said. So flipping. I mean, we're 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 flipping entire buildings. So we're you know buying things in DC, building them into ten unit, fifteen unit buildings. But you know, I've got agent partners on the team and a, and a really amazing builder. So I'm able to to really grow and scale that business without being in it day to day, uh, which is 
which is what you need, you know. So if you want right. to, with with all that you've got going on and the, and the kids and everything, like you, you got to find uh, some some partners that can can help you grow that and scale that if, if you want to get into that game. And and same with same with Airbnb, you know, you need a great manager. But man, the um, the cap rates when you Airbnb them, they're like two to three x what they are as a long term rental. I mean, they're 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 pretty nice. Um, oh yeah compared to some of the long-term rental rates for sure yeah and if you're in and if you're in a market you know omaha not that it's a bad market but definitely for if you're in florida if you're in north carolina if you're in places like that that people want to go whether they want to be by the mountains or the beach or whatever it is but everybody besides the college world series right everybody's not looking to come to omaha so you really only got six months out of the year that people are like okay i could probably go to omaha but for the other six months people are like i I don't want no parts to do with that, especially in a pandemic where people have been locked up forever. And then I finally get to get out and I'm going to Omaha. It's like, nah, not unless I have family. <laughs> I got a real reason. So if, the, if that is the case, obviously, again, that's why I would have to learn a system to be able to do it virtually, because from there, I mean, it could, you know, it, it could spark a lot of problems if you can't see it and you don't know what you're looking for on the downside. So I definitely, I think that there's so much opportunity in real estate right now, as far as investing and everything. And there's only going to be more because we don't know what we don't know, like this whole GameStop thing, and we're not going to take it down there. But, you know, who knows three months down the line, if there's all of a sudden, boom, Boom, the real estate market's imploding and we didn't even see it coming just like this GameStop thing and all of a sudden just one day you woke up and now CNBC and everybody's going crazy over GameStop and who's to say that two months from now you know that won't be something that's brewing because some um, economists are already saying that the real estate markets is on its way to do back another 2008 and you can see it because you know, there's a lot of people that haven't been able to pay their rent. We've had some of our tenants that uh, luckily they paid, but they've been late and they're trying to figure it out. So you're just kind of on your edge and you're like, I hope that they can continue to pay or pay because otherwise then I got to pay it. And now I got to look at evicting them and I got to start it all over. And so you just don't want to deal with that. So for anybody who's looking, I would definitely say that it's still a great time and the market's going to shift. And if you're in a position to buy, it's going to be a great time. Well, and with, I mean, with interest rates, like, you know, we just refinanced all of our properties and we're getting low to mid twos on 30 year fixed. And it's just insane. Right. Right. Um, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, I, I think when the, the rates were in the threes, I was like, you'll never get lower than this. So I don't know, here I am saying it again in the, in the, in the twos, but. And if the market um, crashes, they'll have to come down a little bit more. <laughs> Right, because nobody's gonna want to buy real. They, but they have to get those into other hands, and obviously, private lenders are gonna go great because they're gonna be able to charge whatever they want. Because banks are gonna be so like, now nah, I don't want to touch this because we remember what happened. So private money is gonna shoot through the roof, and so it's gonna it's so much opportunity, man. Yeah, I think I think you know, there's there's always opportunity no matter what the market is doing, and. You know, I'm I'm not a big stock guy, and the GameStop thing is I think that kind of showed showed why. Like I I I like I like doing real estate, and you know, Reddit boards and hedge funds they, they can't come in and and kind of rig the game like 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 we've seen in the stock market, and um, and you have more control over it too. So I think if you if you buy it right, manage it right, uh, to me it's there's nothing better. But. Right. No, I, I hear you there for sure. 
So what do you, what do you think your next move will be on, uh, on the real estate investing front? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing for me right now is obviously we want to get this daycare up and, and off and that will be a, a very large, I mean, we'll probably be 11,000 square feet. Um, so that's a really big front for us. And uh, so building that all out, that'll be one that'll take a lot of my energy time. And on, on the backside of that, obviously my media company um, markets it. And so what that means is we got to drive the leads. We got to make sure that by the day that it opens, you know, we're pretty close to capacity. And so that's kind of the big thing that I'm focused on right now, as far as real estate investing, if a deal that I could flip or, or an Airbnb comes about and it really shows, but I would say, you know, as I've looked at things and not to keep going back to it, but the biggest thing, the biggest opportunity that I think I have outside of, you know, this daycare, but even still that's active income. But I think for me, the biggest opportunity that we all have as real estate agents is this EXP opportunity. And obviously I'm, I, I mean, I've only been in EXP for three years. I didn't start my career here. I started my career at a big box brokerage. And uh, after I did those 46 deals and 8 million in my first year, I paid over $42,000 in fees, right? So I know what it was like. And at the end of that, I was like, oh my God, just to use the name, I paid that much money. And so when I look at this and we look at how fast the company's growing and I've been fortunate enough uh, to even have, you know, that stock. Now I have stock in the company from the deals that I've already done, but I've also through my TD Ameritrade and coincidentally Robinhood app, I also own another 150 shares. And so for me, that's where my stock has really grown up, uh, grown at. And I think that, yeah, that's what I would say more so than investing. Like if I'm investing in anything, I think I'm investing in myself and that's through EXP. Well, I know it's for a lot of people, it's, it's been a, a great ride. So, you know, definitely hope that that continues for you. And if, if you're listening to the show, have questions about it, um, I'm sure at the end, uh, Casanova will, will let you know how to get in touch with him to, to talk more about it. Cause I, cause I know for a lot of people, it's, it's an exciting and, and profitable model. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I never try to push it down anyone's throat. I just think the biggest thing for me is we don't know what we don't know. And for many of people, they're so close minded that they won't even take a look at it. And it's like, even if you're at your new company, right, like whatever it is, think about it for somebody that's at, and this is no knock on any company, right? I'm just going to throw out, let's say Coldwell Banker, because that's the name that doesn't get thrown up a lot. A lot of people talk Keller Williams, whatever. So let's just say um, Coldwell Banker. If you love Coldwell Banker, and let's say you've only been there for two years, but you've been licensed for eight years. Now that you're at Colwell Banker, if somebody asks you, what do you think? You're going to be like, oh my God, I love it. So it's like, so if two years ago, somebody would have told you about Colwell Banker and you wouldn't have looked at the opportunity, how annoyed would you be with yourself? Knowing what you know about Colwell Banker right now, you'd be like, oh man, I, I'm so, this is so much of a better opportunity. So that's the only thing that I would say, more agents need to be open-minded. And that's where, again, getting off the hamster wheel, because we all have our heads down and we're all so focused on just selling and that's fine. But at the end of the day, that's always transactional. And on top of that, so many real estate agents, they focus on the transaction rather than the relationships at the end of the day anyway. So that's why they, they constantly have to chase another deal rather than using their sphere, 
or maybe they don't even have to use past clients. It could just be the people who already know, like, and trust you, the insurance agents, the, the anybody who's in your market. Because, you know, something that's always said is like real estate agents, they have a problem with lead generation. We don't have a problem with lead generation. There's leads all around us. Every single day we find a potential lead. What we have a problem with is understanding the information and also the strategy on how we convert those leads. Now, whether that's confidence or whether that's, you know, um, you just don't have that that networking or that environment, those are the types of things that I like to put myself around. So then, you know, I have people, because we all have limiting beliefs, we all have that, you know, whether you could say uh, imposter syndrome, we all come across opportunities every single day. And yet in our heart, we don't take them, but it's not because, you know, they're not a good opportunity, it's because like I said in the beginning, we don't feel that we're worthy of that. So how do we talk ourselves into it? But even so, when we get a little bit on the edge, can I call up Dan and be like, hey, Dan, I'm thinking about trying to buy this building. And are you going to say, ah, oh, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. Or are you going to be like, yeah, dude, just buy it. We just flipped something in DC. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, you're right. You're like, yeah, man, do it. I, I was scared too. But yeah, might, if it's in, a good deal, I might invest in it too. So. Right? <laughs> it, but it was just about putting myself in that environment where I knew I had somebody who was going to challenge me to be like, why not? Because we always say why but we never say why not. And so that's something that's been critical for me. And uh, that's why I'm so passionate about it. No, I think that's a great point that just that little change saying why not instead of why, like those little words that you say to yourself matters a lot, like a more lot. than anything. For sure. Well, before we wrap up, I always like to end with a hyper fast round. If you're ready for some rapid fire questions Absolutely. and answers. All right. What's the biggest piece of advice you'd give to a new real estate agent? Focus on the relationships. Focus on the relationships. And the reason why I say that is because in the beginning, yes, we all want to check, right? And we all want to make sure that our time, but at the end of the day, again, you might burn out, right? And I'm not saying that you will. We know the National, the National Association of Realtors says that 87% of all real estate agents get out of the business within just five years of getting their license right? That's a true stat. And so if you're like, well, I'm going to be one of the 13. I hope that you're one of the 13. Anybody can be. I'm nothing special. I don't have a degree. But here's what we know. The odds are not favored for you, right? For you to make it for five years. So with that, if for these three years, you go really hard and for whatever reason, you just don't gain the traction in real estate, that's fine. Maybe real estate or at least this particular form of real estate wasn't for you. But if you make a pivot do you still have all the relationships that you built through those three years or do you have to start all over because you were so focused on the transaction and you burned people who ever came in your path? So focus on the relationship, not the transaction. Yeah, great stuff. Uh, what about uh, an experienced real estate agent? What would you tell them? Never be so close-minded. Right. And, and, and so I think that for a lot of us, we get stuck in our own ways. We feel like we already, we already know it, but as we could see, um, everything's evolving, right? We, 10 years ago, we would have never thought that things would look like how they are today. So we have to focus on how exactly we can stay open-minded. Like there's so, I'm sure there's 40% of real estate agents. They won't even touch a TikTok. Right. Oh, TikTok. <laughs> but but there's people out there. Right. And, 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 and you could be the reason why people may love you is because you're so unorthodox on TikTok. Right. We see all the time we see grandmas who go viral on on whatever it is. But it's because they were just they got out of their comfort zone. And the reason why you're so close minded is because you're scared. 
And that's okay. And even if you have to do it, something that I've always had to tell myself, even if I'm afraid, I have to do it afraid. Yeah, I, I think that's, uh, you know, everyone could use that advice to, to, to just open your mind up to the possibilities of, you know, what if, and, and really, we just don't know what type of change is coming. So, so be open. Uh, what's the biggest business challenge you've ever had? And what did you learn from it? Um, yeah, it was, it was definitely, if I didn't have an assistant, I was the assistant. And I guess another way to put it is to not focus on the how, but focus on the who. And I was always that person that because I didn't have it, right, I, I, I had in the beginning, and I didn't necessarily know that I had it because I, I was always a relationship builder, I was always outgoing, but I was always focused on how I could do everything, right? And I just told you like earlier, like now I become more focused as I get older and I understand that time is my most valuable asset and my kids are only getting older and I'm only getting older, that I have to figure out how I can have leverage. Everything is a game of leverage. If you're still listening or watching this right now, that broker that you're working for, they are leveraging you, right? That's that's really what it is. And so figure out how you can have more leverage. And the only way to do that is to have a big enough dream, have a big enough vision, have a big enough purpose, and have a big enough mission that other people want to partner up with you. And the only way that you can do that is at the end of the day, you have to figure out who are you and not how you can get something done. All right. What do you do for fun when you're not working? And that's, that's very, I'll be honest, if you ask my wife, she'll tell you nothing. Because literally all I do is, it's just what I love to do. But I would say if I, if it is just fun, I mean, I coach my son in basketball. I'm very active in my kid's life. So I, but I, but I also always kind of thinking and masterminding. So I would say for fun, man, I think technology is fun. If you see my whole setup, like I've built out a, a crazy studio uh, I've done this all myself um, because again, it goes back to that, like how, but I don't know. I, that's what I would probably say. I would say um, coaching basketball. My son's coaching basketball is very fun for me. Awesome. Last question. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Sitting on a beach somewhere. Right. And I'm not even a swimmer. I'm going to be honest. Like there's always, obviously there's a joke that like, yo, black people can't swim. But, uh, but no, for me, I would just say like, I just, I love warm weather. Right. I, and it's not even so much, I got to be on a beach, but I just want to be able to know that I live a life by my design. Everything I do is based off of impact and not income. So I think that that's 10 years from now, I see myself that every conversation that I get into, it's not based off of money. It's not based off of scarcity. It's only based off of abundance and it's only based off of impact. Awesome. Well, I, I hope that you get to do that somewhere on a beach. Right. Um, and at, at the pace you're going, maybe, maybe a lot faster than 10 years, but, uh, Thanks a lot for being on the show. This was awesome. Uh, you know, your story that you shared, just the struggles that you overcame it and, and where you are now are very inspirational and, and educational. So I, I, I think our listeners and viewers today should get a lot out of it. So we definitely appreciate that. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, what are the best ways to, to connect? Yeah, so uh, I'm everywhere, Casanova Brooks or otherwise Dream Nation dot com and uh that's where my podcast that's where the community 
Um, the whole reason why I created Dream Nation is I believe that everyone has a dream and those of us who dare to dream while the rest of the world settles for what society will tell us is our reality, we're the ones who stand to be trailblazers, change makers, and ultimately we make this world a better place. So um, yeah, Dream Nation is where you can find all things Casanova. All right. Well, make sure you guys check out Dream Nation and, and check out Casanova on social media. I know he's got a lot of a lot of great stuff going on and, and uh, you know, follow and connect, be inspired, learn more. Thanks for tuning in and watching and thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyper Fat Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyper Fat Shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests and improve our shows. So give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show and we will see you next time.